Hi, I'm Chris Kinney. And I'm Jeff Moore. And you're in the Music Business Lounge, your source for the insight you need from the industry's best and brightest. We've got some great stuff for you today, so let's hop right in. Today we're talking do-it-yourself development with Eliza Smith, an awesome independent artist. Eliza grew up in a small town called New Lenox, Illinois. She's a songwriter and a performer with her group, Eliza Smith and the Tiny Little Lies, where she finds her inspiration from country greats like Loretta Lynn and Tanya Tucker. And she tells American stories from strong women all across our great country. Thank you so much for being with us today, Eliza. How's it going? Going great. Thank you for having me. You know, I've been checking out your music, and I know that you and Chris know each other. It's just some some great stuff. I love what you guys are doing, so uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, we enjoy playing country music. It makes people feel good and makes us feel good, so it's, it's a blast. I touched a little bit in your bio about sort of your, your background with music and sort of your musical journey, but can you talk a little bit more about just how you began and where you've been with music and sort of your whole backstory that brought you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, like a lot of musicians, I've, I've loved music since I was a kid. I think um, the earliest memories I have of music are uh, my, my dad is a guitar player and we, um, when I was little, we would go to church all the time and he played in the band at church. And, and so he would practice guitar all the time. And so I would listen to him play and practice and I would gather all of my stuffed animals and I would take them into his guitar case with me and I would close the lid and just sit there and listen to him practice. And, um, he would play, I mean, he played all sorts of stuff, but I could just listen to him play for hours. And so I think that's really when I got bit by the music bug. And so, um, you know, all through my childhood into my teen years, I learned how to play guitar from my dad. My dad taught me. Um, and I sang and I, I wrote songs, um, all through college. And then, um, I really got the bug to start a band a couple of years ago, up until that point, I've been doing like a lot of solo stuff, kind of singer songwritery stuff. And sure. I started to write songs where I felt like it just needed a little bit more oomph. And so, um, I found a band and we've been gigging around for, uh, it'll be a year in March and we've done all sorts of stuff. We've done festivals and local television shows, and um, and we're heading down to record an EP in April too, which we're really excited about. They're heading down to Nashville, I should say, <laughs> and down cool. there where we're we going. But that's great. So, did you know um, your your bands before you got together with them, or how how did you guys sort of get get together as a group? No, actually. So the only person I knew was the banjo player. I'd known him for a couple of years, but we had never played music together. Um, his name's Mike. Um, but the other ones I kind of met just through other people, um, really, really organically. And, you know, even though we'd never met before when we started playing music, it just clicked and it felt right. And so, um, yeah, it happened really naturally in a really great way. That's great. And, you know, checking out your website and your whole presence, can you talk a little bit about how, how you sort of formed your, your story as a group and, and your sort of image and brand that you want that you want to go for when you're performing and when you're out there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as an artist, when you're thinking about your image, so much of your image is influenced by who you're influenced by musically, right? So 
I'm really influenced by Loretta Lynn and Tanya Tucker, Dolly Parton, um, Hank Williams. So, you know, three of those four, um, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, and, and Hank Williams are all considered uh, honky-tonk, right? So yeah. the bedazzled shirts, the big hair, um, gingham, tight jeans, all that good fun stuff, right? Um, and then Tanya Tucker, um, along with some of my other influences, who would be like Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, more kind of comet, uh, more sure. modern uh, pop rock country. They're uh, more rocky. Tanya Tucker is considered outlaw country. She's actually the only female outlaw country artist. Um, and so oh. I think that, you know, I'm really influenced by those kind of two sides of the country spectrum. And so when I'm thinking about my image, I think a lot about, okay, so what do those two things look like if they're married together? And that is kind of where that <laughs> that term outlaw honky tonk comes from, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. So our, our, our music itself is got, it's edgy, right? There's a little bit of that kind of country edge, but it's also kind of sweet. And and then when I think about my image as in what I look like and what my bandmates look like and what we wear on stage, um, I think it's a direct outgrowth of the, the you know, great musicians that influence us. How was the transition from, from going from this lone person that wrote and, and sang everything to adapting a band to that, to the, the thought of having this whole image that was more than just yourself that consumed your whole band now. Well, tell me a little bit about that. That's a great question. Um, it definitely make, made things more complicated, but in a really delightful way sometimes. <laughs> That's not a weird answer. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, as I, as I mentioned, when I was beginning to write these new songs, I would be writing them and I would hear a drum part in my head and I would hear an electric guitar part in my head and they really needed some more oomph to really make them something special. And so I think that uh, from a musical standpoint, integrating more instrumentation and arrangement felt very natural because it was something that I had already kind of been envisioning. The, um, the whole part of working with other people is, it, that's the part that became more complicated. Um, and so, you know, whenever you, whenever you create something and then you bring in others to be a part of that creation. Um, it's, it's really delightful, but it's also really challenging because you become very vulnerable and people are going to, the people that you play with are going to bring, um, whatever it is that they're going to bring. Right. And, and you ultimately as the creator of the, the work have to kind of relinquish a little bit of control. And so I think that, um, if you're open to that, I think that that there are some really powerful things that can come out of that. Um, and that was something that I had to learn was to be open to people being creative um, and doing things maybe a little differently than I initially envisioned. Gotcha. Absolutely. So when you're out there performing and you see other groups that might be in the same sort of space as you, what do you see yourself doing different that you think maybe has been beneficial to you? This is going to feel, or this is going to sound sort of, well, I'm just going to say it. I'm really nice. <laughs> like, I'm just, I can a, tell. <laughs> just a genuinely nice person. And I think that that has actually got me uh, a long way, you know, and, and I think 
Um, you know, there's people that I'm connecting with now that, that I haven't spoken to in golly, maybe like six or seven years. And, you know, I'm reaching out to people and I'm working my network to, to see what kind of opportunities are around. And, you know, every time I reach out to someone, they're like, I remember you. I actually had one person who I just connected with recently who I haven't probably talked to since I was in my early twenties. And I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but Hey, he, he just, um, he's awesome. He, his name is Blake Powell and he's, um, and it's really great band and they just got a spot opening for Willie Nelson. So I was like, Hey oh, buddy, nice. how's it going? Awesome. what's going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, and he's, I mean, he's super talented and such a sweetheart, but I probably haven't talked to him since like my freshman year of college. And I was like, Hey dude, I do not know if you remember me, but I just saw that you're opening for Willie Nelson. If you ever need an act to open for you, just let me know. And he was like, of course I remember you. And he literally said, you were the nicest person that I met while I was in school. And so I feel like being nice just goes a really long way. And I don't mean like being like friendly. I mean like being authentically nice. I think so much of this business and so much of your brand and your image and your music and everything just boils down to being your authentic self. I was going to say, I really, the the whole theme of authenticity, I, I think speaks a lot. How is it you and the band are, are finding successes and what do you do i guess to, to piggyback on what jeff was saying you're an outlaw honky-tonk band playing up in boston right now in the northeast <laughs> <laughs> and i see you all you know you got gigs after gigs and opportunities what's making you stand out from the noise in in, in new england of all places is is there a market or are you just finding the market how's that going yeah, that's a really good question i think you know well we're certainly not in nashville right where everybody's playing country music or the majority of people are playing country music. I think that there is definitely a country niche in the Northeast. And I think, um, I think, you know, so I think that that's part of the reason why we're having good success up here is because the market here isn't overcrowded by country artist after country artist. Um, we have a song though, that's, that's called we're country up here too. And I think that it's a a great, (laughs) it's a a great kind of anthem for the Northeast that, that really, that really just showcases that like, yes, we are in the Northeast and yes, we are North of the Mason Dixon line, but we love country music. We have honky tonks and we have square dances and line dances. We love pie. We love whiskey. We love all those things that are like inherently country. And for some reason have been deemed as Southern Um, and so I think that, you know, there is a huge underground market here for country acts. And I think, you know, I also think that, um, one of the reasons why we, we have a good amount of success is because we're a little different in that we are also female driven, which whether you're in the South or the North, I think strong female artists in country music, um, you know, for every one female artist that you'll have, you'll find 10 male artists or 20 male artists. It's a lot more difficult for females. And so I think, um, even though it's a little more difficult, I also think that there's a little bit of like novelty to it and it's different and interesting. Um, and we also rock, like we're, 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 we have women in our band, but we're really rocky and make people feel good and play really upbeat music that a lot of people like to listen to. Um, and that being said, actually too, I have a lot of people that come up to us after our gigs that are like, 
I didn't even like country music, but like, I really like you guys. And they're very confused. <laughs> so give them identity crisis. Yeah. That's, that's the solution. They do. They're like, I don't, I don't like country and I don't want to like country, but I like you. And I think it's because we, as much as country as we are, I think that um, we blend like a healthy dose of rock and roll in our music. And I also think that, that people would like country if they just gave it a chance. I think that's such, first of all, I don't like country, but I, I love you guys. It's such a ringing endorsement. Is there any better endorsement? Like, I feel like that. that up. I'm just looking down right now, wearing some sort of heavy metal rock and roll shirt and, uh, always straight away from the stuff my sister listened to. And then the first time I saw Eliza Smith and the tiny little lies playing, I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. Um, I, I got band I, practice later and we're in like, we're drop C tuning and chugging metal. <laughs> I know. Chris, I, we talked about doing some gigs together with your metal band. Just a, just a, <gasps> a, a meeting of I, worlds. <laughs> I would show up. I would show up. Okay. Um, and I think that really like everything you guys just said is so like, it's, it's, it's just this manifestation of like, you've created, like you, you rock and your story is just unique and compelling in a way that it makes people want to buy, buy into it. And it makes, it makes me wonder. So you like right now, when you're talking with us about this, you're so confident in, in like, this is what we're about and this is what we combine and this is what our story and our voices. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some pitfalls or mistakes that you overcame to get to where you are? What were sort of the stepping stones for you to get to this point of confidence in yourself and your music? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think that so much of your image and who you are comes from the way that you write songs, right? So I had the benefit of of being able to um, actually get my my master's in education. So I during during the day I work in education, and the program that I did um, was comprised of artists. And during that program, I really began to look at my songwriting in a different light. I began to look at my songwriting as a way to study songwriting throughout country music history. And so, for example, so I really love Loretta Lynn, right? And there's something about her songs that no matter who's performing it, when you hear a Loretta Lynn song, you know that she wrote it. You just know because it has a certain sound and it has a certain feel to it. And so, what I do as a songwriter is I look at those songs and I look at the the songs that, that she wrote and I kind of start to pick them apart and I try to figure out what are the commonalities between those songs that make them sound so intrinsically hers. And so I'll find, you know, for in the case of Loretta Lynn, um, she uses a major two a lot in either the chorus or the verse, or she uses, um, you know, really sassy lyrics. She showcases strong female characters. And so as a exercise, I'll write a song kind of in the style of Loretta Lynn. So that's one aspect, right? So then another, at another point, I, (laughs) I, uh, 
<laughs> I love the song "Achy Breaky Heart" <laughs> by Billy Ray Cyrus hey. because right there with like, you. it caused a crazy sensation. Like that song was insane. It was so catchy, and people from everywhere just like absolutely adored that song. And so, how 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 on earth did this song become such a hit, right? And so then I'll take "Achy Breaky Heart," right, and I'll pull it apart and I'll try to figure out what makes achy breaky heart so catchy. And so when I began to do that, I realized that I had all these desperate songs that sounded very different from one another because one song would sound like Loretta Lynn. One song would sound like Billy Ray Cyrus. One song would sound like Jason Aldean and they were just kind of all over the place. And so, you know, to your question about, trying things and failing or trying to figure out your image when you are kind of got all these pieces parts and trying to figure out how they mash mash together. I remember having a a discussion with my bassist and she was like, you know, I think we've got our honky tonk stuff and we've got our really rock and roll stuff. And I think you just need to pick a genre and stick with it. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I've done is I've, surrounded myself with musicians that are agile enough and open-minded enough and flexible enough to be able to play a multitude of country genres, but also play as themselves. And so a perfect example of that is um, my drummer. I just got a new drummer and his name is Victor. He's awesome. He has played a little bit of country in his life, but the majority of what he plays is more kind of soul, uh, Motown and R&B. And so while he's familiar with kind of some of the traditional country rhythms, he really brings his like R&B and Motown feel to a lot of our songs, to all of our songs, because that's him. That's his authentic self. And so what that does is it brings a continuity between all of the varying country genres that we have. So that the songs that we have, even though if you're, if you're, you know, a real hotshot with your, your country subgenres, you might be like, that's a honky tonk song and that's a rock and roll song and that's a (laughs) rockabilly song and that's this and that's that. (laughs) It all, they all sound like us because we're all bringing ourselves to these, these different types of songs. And so I think in terms of trying out things and making them work or not, I think that if you're a band leader, you need to have a keen sense of what you want to try to accomplish. And you need to find musicians that are going to bring something to your music and bring themselves to your music. And you need to find musicians that have an identity themselves. Because if you just find musicians that are going to do what you tell them, it's going to be a mess. Such good thoughts. I was reading uh, an, an article uh, that that you wrote called 10 Tips for Running a Successful Crowdfunding Campaign. And I think beyond even crowdfunding, there's a lot that people can take away from that article in the way of branding and fan engagement in general. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the overarching theme of the article that I wrote is really um, authenticity, right? So sure. I think it's it's easy for new or young artists to be really caught up in this image. And actually Amy Mann has a fantastic article about this too. She talks a lot about, um, the idea that people get so wrapped up in trying to be cool 
and to project a certain image that their art suffers and it, it's because it's inauthentic. And so I think that not only does your art suffer, but the, the, the piece that makes your art sustainable, right? So your fan base, the people that care about you and support you sure. also suffers. How do you define success when it comes to your music? That's a great question. Um, well, I mean, I think, you know, as you alluded to in your question, I think that everybody has a different idea or vision of what success is going to look like for them. Right. And I think that that's healthy. I think that that's right. Um, and I know for myself, I have varying degrees to which I view my success. Right. So I joke around all the time with my band about, I'm going to be famous. We're going to be famous. Like, let's do it. We're going to be famous, <laughs> you know? And yeah. like, so it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Right. So for me, it's, I say that very tongue in cheek, but for me, um, I, I love playing to big crowds. I love it. Like they, I, I can't, I can't even begin to describe the rush that it is to play for a crowd of thousands of people. I've had a few tastes of it throughout my life and it's delicious and I want more. And so, um, you know, that is something that if I was able to do that on a regular basis, that would be success to me. Um, you know, so I think that as a, as a musician, I think that you need to find what brings you the most joy and go after that. And if you're able to achieve that, then that should be the mark of success, right? So if you just love writing songs and you don't really care about performing, then that's success, right? Um, if you like playing with other people and you get yourself a band and you get some really tight songs and that brings you joy, then that's success. I mean, I think from a monetary standpoint, um, success can come in a lot of different ways and there's lots of different ways to monetize your music. Um, if it's something that you want to do professionally and, and live off of sustainably, um, and, and that might be a, a success, you know, for you, um, if that's what you want. Um, I mean, that's certainly what I want, but <laughs> so I think there's, you know, there's a multitude of, of definitions of success. And, and I think, again, I feel like I sound like a broken record. I think that you just need to be authentic to yourself and find out what your, <laughs> your like authentic, uh, success looks like for you. No. Yeah. I was actually just about to say that how even now, like it's still everything you're saying is just be authentic, not only to your audience, but to yourself, such, such great stuff uh, during our whole conversation. Can you share with us where our listeners can connect and engage with you online? Yeah, so there's two places. So there's elizasmithmusic.com, which is our um, official website. And then right now, um, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be headed down to Nashville uh, to record our EP. And you can pre-order that now at um, pledgemusic.com backslash Smith. And if you pre-order it now, you'll also get access to like all sorts of fun little behind the scenes videos and all that good fun stuff. I actually just posted one today of um, my fiddle player and I doing a Dolly Parton duet, which is delicious. Oh, nice. Awesome. <laughs> I want to ch check that out. And guys, definitely go and check Eliza and check the band out. We'll post all of those links in the description of this podcast. Eliza, thank you so much again. And we'll talk to you soon. You. Oh, thank you for having me. It was wonderful talking to you, too. <laughs> thank you for hanging out. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
As always, make sure to like, subscribe, and let us know what you think. You can find expanded interviews and articles at musicbusinesslounge.com, or you can connect with us directly on Twitter at MBL Podcasts.